listening to a podcast from Light FM. Good morning. It's the Light Breakfast with Asha and Terry. And today we have our first ever dedicated of the week in honor Father's Day coming up. Terry and I managed to catch up with Ironman triathlete, business builder, and investor Azran Osman Rani to hear his story about his dad. Azran, your dad's been a huge influence uh, in your life and in terms of what you're doing now with Naluri. Could you? Take us back in time, though, to sort of perhaps the beginnings, or was it, you know, the moment your father was discovered um, to have cancer and diabetes at the same time? Like, what was that like for your family and you in terms of sure. how you felt, how he was feeling, how that affected the family? He had been suffering from diabetes for quite a while, right, to the point where he needed insulin injections. Uh, that was something that we've all, you know, learned to live with. But the cancer diagnosis came as a little bit of a shock, in particular because it was brain cancer. Uh, so it wasn't even related to, you know, other parts of the body. And, uh, you know, I think from, from the point of diagnosis, uh, you know, he probably kept a very stoic external posture, right? Well, right. we can get through this. Um, but inevitably, you know, things got uh, progressively worse over time in, in the several years as as the condition deteriorated so it was tough right because it's not sort of a sudden thing it's just kind of slowly progressively building up uh, and affecting everyone around him now obviously having diabetes and managing that is is one thing and then having to deal with cancer brain cancer which as we've all known read or, or understood really sort of impacts your your mental health perhaps sometimes more so than other things in other places in your body. As a result, your your father had to deal with depression mm -hmm. as well. Like, how did this come to light? How did all of you notice this? I mean, what was that like? You know, this was 12 years ago. We did not know that it was depression mm. and anxiety, right? Uh, but the symptoms in hindsight were very clear, right? When someone becomes very withdrawn or suddenly uh, mood swings, being quickly irritable, disengaged from day-to-day -day life conversations. Mm -hmm. as, as I was reflecting on, uh, you know, what, had, what he had gone through, that was why for me I felt that uh, the way healthcare was delivered has these very key shortcomings, right? And the first is just that, that people who are going through these chronic diseases, mm. the healthcare system is only focused on their physical health, right? Very quickly, take this medication, do this surgery, chemotherapy, radiotherapy, insulin. But no one really talks about the inevitable depression mm. and anxiety that many people who are wrestling with chronic diseases go through. And if you don't provide support, you don't provide treatment, that would lead to skip chemo sessions, miss medication, and things just get worse over time, right? right. And mm -hmm. so I think that is one very key shortcoming. We don't have a healthcare system that addresses health holistically. Th that's actually what we want to know more about as mm -hmm. well. Like you mentioned, like the doctor's approach to your father's health in relation to both um, the physical as well as the depression that he was dealing with. Was there not much cohesion between those two different you know, elements. Yeah. In fact, you know, 
the oncologist who was very focused on his cancer mm. was just focused on his cancer, right? And you've got to talk to a completely different team, the endocrinologist, uh, the nephrologist on on the diabetes situation and whether there were links. And, and of course, uh, there's cardiology as well because his heart health is impacted. So right. everyone takes a very siloed view. And no one, you know, really talked to... Uh, the family, caregivers, or even the patients about what does it mean to cope with conditions like this, right? right. And, and to be aware of signs and symptoms. And what can you do to get support, get uh, relief, therapy? Right. That if you don't, right, y- it becomes, it grows, right? And you become even more disengaged and withdrawn. Right. Mm-hmm. Asun, I wanted to ask, you know, in retrospect, obviously, your your father was dealing with depression. Whether it was because of the actual type of cancer, it was what he was going through, the combination of everything. But I would imagine that you as a family unit, helping him, looking after him, being with him on this journey, also uh, were impacted mental health-wise as well. What was that like for the nuclear family around helping well, uh, it, it definitely wasn't easy because it's not something we talk about. And I think the, the added issue that is worth bringing up today is how men deal with mm. mental health, right. right? Because we don't. Right. We keep it mm. inside. We ignore. We deny, right? And, and that included me. And of course, subsequently later, when I went through my episodes and challenges, mm. the first instinct is to just keep it bottled up because it is stigmatized, right? Mm. We're meant to be strong. We're meant right. to always be in control. And, uh, you know, and you just sort of keep it bottled up inside. It's seen as a sign mm. of weakness. Right. Exactly. And that's why I think, you know, partly when I, when I think back about my father, the challenges for him, right? Imagine he lost his own father when he was barely eight or nine years old. Wow. And even then... As he was growing up, he hardly saw his father because his father was uh, in the military, uh, in the army, right. dealing with mm-hmm. you know all the communist insurgency. Um, so always away from home, right? So no father figure, mm. eldest. You've got one very young brother, one very young sister, six years old, seven years old, eight years mm. old. You've got to grow up very fast. Mm. Right, no father figure. So think about it. When yeah. when people grow up in that environment, you just learn to be stoic. You don't talk about vulnerabilities. Mm. I was just going to say, it's interesting to also kind of note that if you don't have the language that helps you identify there is depression there mm-hmm. as a carer, as a family member, as the person who's ill as well. It must have been very hard, or was it hard for you, Azran, to even recognize that that might be something you were dealing with yourself as well as what your father was dealing with? Indeed, for sure. And I think it's very important to also uh, share that feeling depressed and anxious is completely normal. Mm. Everybody goes through it, right? So it's not that uh, when you're feeling depressed and anxious, something is wrong with you. Most of us have the ability to cope, to rebound, especially right. after, you know, one or two days. You, you know, some people uh, reconnect externally, maybe with positive friends and family members. Some people 
find kind of that inner peace. You right. know, my go-to is cookies and cream ice cream. <laughs> right? But we, we bounce Good back. Yeah. But it is when you don't have that kind of, you know, after one to two days ability to step back and recharge mm. and it piles on, right? After more than a week or two, the different symptoms intensify. It really starts to affect your ability to focus, your ability to do to carry out your work or your daily chores, right. that's when it's a real issue. That's when people need help. Right. And when you don't have access to that help, then it becomes a real clinical condition. Nowadays, with us being able to discuss issues like this and bring it up openly, it's helped a lot of people then be able to deal with it. Which also brings us now to uh, the platform that you have. Sure. The Digital Health Service, Naluri. What then led to this startup? Well, it's a combination of a couple of things. So, before Nellery, uh, I was building another startup in internet television. Right. And most people wrote us off because they said, oh, but there's already Netflix. Oh. Right. What's the point of creating another version? But uh, we were able to show that as great a product as Netflix is, 80 to 90% of people in Southeast Asia don't speak English, don't have credit cards for payment, don't have high-speed broadband. So you need something more locally targeted. Right. And when I met up with uh, a former university mate in San Francisco, he was building uh, a, tech co- a health tech company to deal with this intersection between diabetes, heart disease, and mental health. Right. And I said, wow, you're working on something. You're getting people, you're using digital to get people addicted to healthy habits. Right. I'm using digital to get people addicted to mindless TV <laughs> entertainment. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> but that's when I immediately thought yeah. of my, my father. Right. Like the problem statement that he was phrasing, I said, Ah, so that was what we went through as a family. That was what my late father went through, and we didn't have a way to get support together. Right. And then it occurred to me that what we had shown is, you know, these services are great in the U.S., but you really need localized solutions, Mm. and especially in behavioral health, because not Mm. only is it language and culture, it is the fact that you need local psychologists and counselors and psychiatrists you need to understand local insurance rules regulations Mm. so you need boots on the ground you can't just cherry pick something from silicon valley or california right kale quinoa chia seeds yoga fitbit meditation (laughs) that might work for the bangsa monkera crowd but you know malaysia is a bit more diverse than that That's a good point. So that's exactly what this service does then. Yes. So the other passion and and challenge that I have, and when you look back at my career, it's how do we make things much more affordable and accessible to the mass market, right? Yes. And here's the issue. In Malaysia, the number of mental health professionals is between 150th to 1/100th per population wow. as compared to developed markets. So if you just simply do what most people did, which is, oh, we're going to move and create what's called telehealth, right? Mm. So instead of having to see someone in person, I can now book a Zoom session. Very soon, you're going to face a supply constraint because when someone is dealing with either one-on-one, in-person, or via telehealth session, 50 clients a month, that psychologist is maxed out. Hmm. But that mm-hmm. means our total country's uh, capacity, we might be able to help 600, 700,000 people. Hmm. But we know between 4 to 7 million people are dealing with depression, anxiety, and need help, right? right. So you're never going to be able to uh, create something that closes that gap if we hmm. keep doing things the same way. 
So I, I love heart problems. <laughs> if you were to sort of look back at, you know, your father and what he had to deal with in terms of losing his father so young and how he had to step into some very big shoes from a very young age and and then be a dad to you and then what your dad went through and your journey w- with him seeing that, how would you sort of encapsulate your father's legacy when it comes to the development of Naluri, where Naluri is going, mm. and for you, for sort of like where you're looking towards. My father's very different from my mom. He is very quiet. He's an academic. He's an economics professor, but he was very focused on the economics of poverty and development. Right? How do you really understand the structural? Uh, challenges and disadvantages that you know the bulk of our populations have. They don't mm. even have access to basic education, right. healthcare, employment opportunities, right? And it's a vicious circle. So that was his thing. And and I think the big part that rubbed onto me was one: if you're obsessed about something, you go deep. You keep trying to find ways. Well, what can we do to solve the problem? And maybe that's my slight difference. He he studies it very thoroughly. You yeah. know, he would write research papers and textbooks. And and for me, I want to get my hands dirty. I want to just like <laughs> go in there and and tackle it. But it's it's a common drive, right? To you know, to be very focused on what can we do, right? right. To what how can we respectfully leave our small dent in the universe? Mm. So he draws up the he drew up the plan for you to like the guideline, and you took it all in. You put it in that head, and you let it all like simmer and stew, and then brought it into activation. Well, you know, I mean, my whole career, you know, has been about building something from scratch, right? And even here, when I was at Astro, right, we were creating a lot of new businesses, mm. new channels. Maybe that's part of the, the engineering background of me, right? Like I'm, I'm a builder. I want to create. Um, and I'm extremely always dissatisfied or, you know, just unhappy with the status quo. Right. So I get very itchy. And you want to make things better and fa- as fast as possible. Better, faster, cheaper. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We've heard I that before. F- <laughs> I love the fact also that, you know, like part of your dad's legacy um, is is sort of the, he's given you the opposite, the impatience, yes. which has led you to be the entrepreneur that you are today, right? I want to get it done now, now. <laughs> oh, th- that's from my mom, the impatience, oh, right. yes. <laughs> oh, that's so brilliant. Father's Day is coming up. Yes. You know, what are some of the ways that you see the work that you're doing now in terms of affecting the younger generation the children's generation, you know, in terms of Naluri, but also what you're firmly planting in there from your father's sure. legacy and, and, and getting it out there to the, to everybody. Yeah. If I were to summarize it, Asha, I would say to share this message that you cannot control what happens to you. Hmm. And sometimes life can be tough, but you have every power to decide how you respond. And so mm. whatever difficult situations people in, I mean, part of our role at Nullary is to give people very easy and convenient access to mental health professional or mental health care that doesn't require any appointments. It's 24-7 and it's just easy in, your, uh, in the palm of your hand. Mm. But certainly for my children as a father myself, right, what I hope 
if there's one thing that the legacy of my late father that I want to share mm. is that resilience, right? That comes from you're in a tough situation. Um, again, like you can't control it, but mm. rather than being overwhelmed with all the things you are cannot control, focusing on how do you choose to respond? How do you get back up when life hits you down, mm. right? And as any parent would know, our children don't listen to what we tell them. They <laughs> learn. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this bit and put it on a loop. Yes, <laughs> make it your ringtone. Make yes. it your ringtone. It's like my self affirmation, not to just want to throw the phone against the wall when he doesn't listen, but to know that everybody experiences the same. Yes. <laughs> our children don't listen to what we tell them, but they learn yeah. by watching what we do. Right. And so the best legacy that I've taken from my father that I hope to impart to my children it's learning to get back up mm. learning to seek help right that it's okay to not be okay and part of that is actually knowing where you can get help from and having the tools to be able to deal and now naluri is one of these tools sure yeah, yeah. and it's available 24 7 for free you know if anyone wants to just reach out on whatsapp on a on a phone to speak to someone we're here i love that thank you so much for talking to us today Thank you such important me. work, such important legacy. Alan, you've shared, you know, how your father and and his life experiences impacted you, um, what you hope to teach your kids. But what advice or or wisdom do you have for dads out there who are struggling? So it's very interesting that when we're under stress, when we're under a lot of pressure, mm. the body does something interesting. Normally, we talk about our cortisol and adrenaline hormones, right, that make our heart beat faster, the lungs expand, the muscles tight. But the body's also sending out another hormone, oxytocin. Oxytocin is the love hormone, mm. the cuddle hormone, right? It surges through a mother with a newborn baby. Why? Because for thousands of years, we humans, when we were faced with adversity, predators, enemies, the harshest winters, the toughest droughts, the way we survived was that we bonded together as a tribe. Mm. If you're alone, you're not likely to survive. Right. More than anything else, men or anyone else, it's knowing who your tribe is. And if mm. we're more deliberate about choosing people who are positive, supportive, and who are just there to listen right. without necessarily telling us what to do or judging what to do, right. we all need that space. So we have to build, build that family. If you don't have a ready-made one, build that family Absolutely. that you don't have. Yeah, nurture to support your you. Yeah. yeah. On this episode of Dedicated, we were talking to Azran Osman Rani. You can listen to it again by tuning into the Live Breakfast podcast. That's on the Shock app. You've been listening to a Light FM podcast on Shock. That's S Y O K.